Good day, everyone, and happy Memorial Day weekend. And so I hope that you will just stop and remember those who have sacrificed uh, the ultimate uh, for us and given their life uh, for our freedoms, okay? Would you do that and just stop and remember this weekend, not it'll just be about hamburgers and hot dogs and uh, swimming pools or whatever it is that you choose to do. Uh, hopefully you're not choosing the lake this weekend, uh, at least not in Oklahoma, but uh, so uh, be in prayer, okay? And I just want to also just say a big shout out to all of our church family uh, that have been impacted by the recent flooding and tornadoes. And I want you to know that we're praying for you. Uh, many of you I, I've heard about or know about. Uh, we've even had a couple of injuries. And uh, please know that we are praying for you. And um, if there's any way that we can help, uh, we want to help as a church family, okay? So be praying for people uh, that have been impacted recently, all right? We are right now in the Audacious series, and we've been praying. Uh, because we believe that God does answer ridiculous, crazy prayers, right? Uh, in fact, I don't even know how to happen, but I just had a random uh, testimony placed on my seat next to me. So I don't know if somebody actually brought up and said it there or somebody or God just placed it there. Uh, either way, uh, they're just talking about in this, that the very first week they pinned up their marriage and the very next week saw immediate turnaround in that marriage. And God began to, come on. They go ahead and mention that there's healing that needs to happen and there's still more, but, but God is at work healing, answering audacious prayers. Okay. I also want to just say thank you to a few people in the room right now. First off, um, uh, James and Michelle Brown, thank you so very much uh, for you at uh, Guthrie and also it was at Deer Creek and at Oklahoma City. Uh, they were part of leading our prayer team. And I want to say thank you so very much. And James is in the military and uh, he has been reassigned uh, to Georgia. And I celebrate you guys and thank you so very much for your faithfulness and what you have done for North Church. Come on, would you give it up for them? And so thank you for serving our country, James. Thank you, Michelle, for serving. Uh, they just both do warfare. One of them warfare for the, uh, you know, for the, for the nation and the other one warfare for the kingdom of God. And uh, so we love them very much. And I want to say it's good to have our Deer Creek family home with us today. We love you very much. Thank you. And we're putting the bow on this series this week, uh, which is Audacious Prayer. And we have none other uh, than Pastor Sampson, who for you, if you don't know, if you didn't hear last week and don't realize, is that this week we are announcing him as the Oklahoma City Pastor. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that I'm gone? I hope not. I hope that you keep me around. But we have a pastor in Guthrie who uh, is over that location. And now Pastor Sampson and his wife, Hope, will be over the Oklahoma City location. And you're about to hear an incredible message. I've heard it twice already. Would you give it up for Pastor Sampson? He comes and delivers this message. Thank you, Pastor. Love you. All right, would you stand with me right now? We're going to read God's Word together. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 9. If you don't, just uh, follow along on the screen with me. Mark chapter 9. We're looking at verse 22 down, and this is what it says. It says, if you can, everybody say, if you can. If you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. 
And Jesus said to him, if you can, everybody say, if you can. There you I heard some inflection. Let's all try it again. I want you to be like that one person that did it, okay? With a little bit of inflection. If you can. All things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. So our prayer today is, Lord, help my unbelief. How many of you have prayed a prayer like that before? Come on. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here and that you're moving in this place. I pray and thank you that you're moving, Lord, in our church, across locations, and Lord Jesus, through the internet, through all sorts of ways and means, Lord, that you are speaking. I pray that your word would speak and bring life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can grab your seat. Lord, help my unbelief. How many of you guys have heard something that you'd say, hey, I find that hard to believe? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, for me, it's uh, something that my wife says. One of, her, one of her nicknames for me is the Indian James Bond. It hurts my feelings that you're all laughing at that. Now, just to be real, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see. I, I don't know where. I don't know if me and James Bond have that much in common. Okay, but um, you know, like the only way me and James Bond would have something in common is if James Bond was tan and had a dad bod. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we've all heard things that are hard to believe. Well, experienced things, or we found it hard to believe in God through it. If we can get serious for just a moment, right? Maybe you've been in a uh, in a hospital room when talking to a doctor. And you heard a diagnosis. And you prayed a prayer, Lord, help my unbelief. Maybe you've been working on your marriage and trying to get life together and work right. And, and you know, you're doing the love dare. You're doing all these little things. But there's a whole other person in the equation. And they're not working at it. And you're saying, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Or maybe you've been through something difficult. You know, uh, Hope and I started this um, YouTube channel just recently. We're telling our story of being financially free. And more and more people are telling their story to us and of how they're working and paying off their debts and working towards financial freedom. And, you know, the story we hear a lot now is, you know, well, you know, we've been working really hard. We've been paying things off. We've been building up a savings. And all of a sudden, transmission goes out. And it's two steps back. I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you're there right now. And so as we look into this text, I, I want us to look at it uh, as someone that sees not, a, not this person and judging their prayer. I, I honestly think this is an honest prayer. I think it's the kind of prayer Jesus actually invites us to pray. So I want us to look at this with honest eyes. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9. And if you know the story, it starts off, just to give you a little bit of context, with Jesus and three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. They're up on the mountain with Jesus. And Jesus is all of a sudden transfigured while they're praying. And if you don't know what that word means, basically, if you've ever played Super Mario, and he hits the little brick with his head, and he gets the star, and he starts glowing, and he's untouchable, 
That's basically Jesus at this point. He's just shining in all his glory, as bright as the sun, right? And then right there, Moses and Elijah appear right next to him. And a voice from heaven starts speaking. If you're Peter, James, and John, if you've ever had a doubt that Jesus was the Messiah or that he was God, that should be eradicated. So this chapter starts off with a lot of belief, with a lot of faith. And then they come down the mountain. Maybe that's how your Sunday starts off. And then Monday is coming down the mountain. And Jesus faces all sorts of unbelief. In fact, he walks over to a crowd. He still has a little bit of glow left on him. People are actually in awe when they see him. And he walks up to a crowd that's arguing in disbelief. And so he asks, hey, what's going on? And we pick up in verse 17. It says, and someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to. So here's this dad that speaks up, and he says, listen, my son, he's not able to speak. He's not able to talk to us and communicate. He has this demon it's destroying our lives and we brought him to the disciples and they're not able to help. And I know sometimes when you read a story like that, we're 2,000 years removed, we're a whole culture removed from this person. But can I just put you in his shoes for a second? He is just like any one of us in this room. If you ever had a loved one going through a difficult situation, you would give life or limb in order to help them. That's, that's this guy. He's just a parent, a dad who wants the best for his son. My wife, Hope, and I, we're, we're new parents. Uh, we have a nine-month-old. And I want to tell you, we want the best for our kid. And you know what we've learned along this journey of parenting is that just like we want the best for our kid, other people also want the best for our kid. And sometimes they don't line up. <laughs> a good example is my dad. Can I tell you one of my dad's stories? So... When Charlie, our, our nine-month-old, when he was six weeks old, we decided he was ready to move out of our room into his crib. And so my wife foolishly posts that on Facebook. And my dad sees it. And wouldn't you believe that the next time we're over at their house, there's a conversation. My dad pulls me aside and says, Samson, what is this that you are doing? And just so you know, you have a little bit of context. In, in the Indian culture, co-sleeping, where, where the parent and, and they have the babies in the bed with them, that, that's pretty normal. And if you practice that, that's, that's perfectly fine. There's no problem with that. But for me and my wife, co-sleeping meant no sleeping. <laughs> and if, if we were going to be good parents to Charlie, we needed to be awake during the daytime. And if my dad wanted any more grandchildren, Charlie cannot be in the room. <laughs> so I explained all of this to my dad. And he just, you just got to notice about my dad. When my dad feels like he's backed into a corner, his one, number one trump card is the Lord. <laughs> so he looks right at me and he says, Samson? This is not of the Lord. 
And just to be real with you guys, I rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> we all want the best for our kid. That's all this guy wants. He just wants the best. And for him, the best is simply, hey, I just want my kid to have a normal life. I'm tired of this thing destroying him. I want him to have a normal life. He wants the best. Verse 19, and he, that's Jesus, answered him, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Now, if you heard this part of the story, you might be saying, hey, did, did Jesus not hear what Pastor Samson just said? Shouldn't he have related with this guy? Not yelled at him? But what I want to present to you is that maybe Jesus isn't really yelling at him or yelling at anybody in the room. That Jesus is really turning this into a teaching moment. A teaching moment. See, if you were Jesus' original Jewish audience and you heard those words, those words would sound really familiar to you. It would sound like something that God spoke to Moses when the children of Israel was on the precipice of the promised land. And if you remember the story, there was 12 spies they sent into the land. And then remember, if you remember the story, two of them had good reports, but 10 of them had bad report. And then they told uh, th them that, you know, the, the, the people in the promised land are like giants and we're like grasshoppers. And so all the people got together and said, you know what, let's fire Moses as our leader. Let's get somebody else to be our leader. Let's go back to Egypt. And if we're really good enough, they'll take us back as slaves. What a plan. And so God is speaking to Moses. And, and, not so surprisingly, God is frustrated. God is frustrated. He says these words, the exact words. He says, how long will I put up with this faithless generation? How long? And you know what happens? That generation ends up spending 40 years walking around the desert and never stepping foot into the promised land. Your lack of faith doesn't keep God from doing anything for you. Rather, it keeps you from experiencing the promise that God has for you. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach. He's saying, remember where lack of faith leads because it keeps you from everything that God has for you. It keeps you from the promise. He says, bring him to me, verse 20. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell onto the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. Immediately the story takes a twist. Jesus has brought the boy and the boy immediately manifests the demon and he starts going crazy. And you may think, oh man, this, this story just really got crazy on us. Let me tell you, I had a Toyota Corolla about six years ago and he used to have this problem with starting it would take one, nope, two, nope, three turns, and it would start. But I will tell you, in all honesty, every time I would take it to the mechanic, one turn, and what would happen? It would start. Man, it was the most frustrating thing, because the mechanic would say, oh, there's nothing wrong with your car. Sometimes when we bring our problems to Jesus and it's exposed in the light, it starts to look a little bit bigger than when it was in the dark. And then we get a little scared. But can I tell you, that's exactly where it needs to happen. Like if you're going through marriage counseling and you're walking out with bigger fights after the counseling sessions than the fights that got you in the counseling sessions, and then you start getting scared, let me tell you, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. When the problems get exposed to the mechanic, that's the right thing because he's got the solution. 
That's what we want. And so the problem is exposed to Jesus. Verse 21, and Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? I like how casual Jesus is. Like, you know, the boy's like flailing around going crazy and Jesus is like, so how long is that going on? And he said from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. See, the father is actually wise uh, in noticing that there's actually two problems with the boy. The first is that he has a sickness, this epilepsy problem. He's deaf and he's mute and he has epilepsy. And that's a problem. But on top of that, he has this demon, which brings about the sickness at exactly the wrong time in order to destroy him. And so just to clarify, just because you're sick doesn't mean you have a demon, and just because you have a demon doesn't mean you're sick for the one of you that may have a demon. <laughs> I won't say who. And then he prays his first prayer. He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can, if you can do anything, you know what he's doing? He's projecting all of the past failures of all the doctors and medical professionals and faith healers and priests. And he's taking all of that and he's putting it onto Jesus. He says, listen, everybody else, everybody else failed me here. And you just may fail me, but if you can, be great if you could do something. Don't we do that a lot? We wait and we make Jesus the last resort. And then we project all of the failures of all the counselors and doctors and professionals and pastors. And we take all of that and we put that onto Jesus. And we say, well, if you can do something, Jesus. God, if you're out there. But watch what Jesus does. And Jesus said to him, if you can if you can, all things are possible to the one who believes. Now, Jesus isn't trying to say that you can't take a bad prayer to God, but he's trying to turn this into a teaching moment to say, hey, I think you have a better prayer in you. If you can, there's a better prayer. He challenges his prayer. Verse 24, immediately, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. This is what I would call his second prayer. If you notice his first prayer was, hey, if you can, if you can do something, what he does is he projects all his limitations onto Jesus. But in the second prayer, he says, I, I'm having a hard time believing. What he's doing is he's, he's not projecting his, un, his limitations on Jesus. He's admitting to his own limitations to Jesus. If you remember that first prayer, did you notice it? He's, he's basically saying, hey, if you, can, if you can fix him, if you can fix my son, that would be great. You know, as a pastor, I think I hear that a lot. He's like, hey, if you, can fix this, if you can fix my wife, or if you can fix my son, or if you can fix my family, and just... But the second prayer is not if you can fix him, it's if you can fix me. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. What Jesus is trying to show you is, listen, if you can just take a little bit of personal responsibility in this, 
If you can own a little piece of this, you would be amazed at what I could do. Not if you can, not the limitations, but owning up. And when Jesus saw the crowd running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Now, I just want to make this point. I was talking through this with my wife, and she made this amazing, amazing point from this passage. And sometimes I steal things from my wife, and I don't even tell you that I'm doing that. But today, I really do want to credit her, because this was brilliant. She said, you know what the, what the demon was doing? was the demon was obstructing the communication between the father and his son as to diminish the relationship between the father and his son. And 2,000 years later, the tactic hasn't changed. He's diminishing or he's obstructing our communication with our father so that he could diminish our relationship with our father. But thank God we have a father who would go to no, no limit, whatever limits, step down on this earth and give his own son so that all of the obstructions can be removed, so that we can have clear communication and we can have a relationship that is abundant with him. That's what he gives us. Verse 26, and after crying out, and convulsing terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. And most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? I like that they asked him privately because I would be embarrassed too a little bit. And then he said to them, this kind, watch this, this kind cannot be driven out but by anything but prayer. By prayer. This whole passage is about prayer. We're in a series called Audacious Prayers. And what Jesus is saying, hey, this guy's prayer, this kind of prayer, is the only thing that gets rid of this level of problems. It takes this kind of prayer. And you know what kind of prayer he had? He had an honest prayer. An honest prayer. See, audacious prayers are honest prayers. Audacious prayers are honest prayers. So I'm going to give you three things before we wrap it up. Number one is this. Honest prayers, honest prayer isn't perfect prayer because we are not perfect prayers. I know that's not a word, but stay with me. We're not perfect at this thing called prayer. God knows that. In fact, scripture even admits to that. In fact, as Paul is writing to the Romans, he writes that, that we are so impaired, so defected by sin that we actually need help in order to pray because we don't even know how to pray. Scripture says this, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So God actually fills in the gaps for our prayer. The Holy Spirit fills in our gaps. You know, the number one reason I hear all the time that people don't want to pray is because they don't know how or they don't feel like they're good at it. 
can I tell you, you don't have to be good at it to pray. Just pray. He's not looking for a perfect prayer. And then you may have that, that friend that wakes up early in the morning and prays for three hours before the start of his day. Or, or, or maybe you have that friend that, that, that when they pray, they pronounce that H in God that we don't all see. You know what I'm talking about? God. You know that guy. Or they immediately bust out the King James Version like, Thou, O Lord, art marvelous. As if that's what's going to speak to. And, and, and hold on. Let me just say this. If you are that guy and that's your authentic prayer, you keep doing you. That's exactly how you should pray because that's true to your heart. But if that's not you, that's not what God expects from you. He wants your honest prayer, not your perfect prayer. He wants your honest prayer. Number two is this, an honest prayer from the heart is better than a mindless prayer that you were taught. An honest prayer from the heart. That's what he's looking for. Think about some of the mindless prayers that we've learned. Help me finish this one. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the... See, y'all prayed that one. Or um, we, uh, we have this toy at home for Charlie. This is a little praying elephant. And I realized the other day as an Indian, when I talk about a praying elephant, I got to clarify some stuff. <laughs> and so it's, it's this little elephant. You push his ear and he prays to God. And his prayer is a familiar one. It's, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. Uh, how does I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's a scary prayer. I'm like, get that away from my son. But we pray these prayers, and, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to commit to memory important prayers. No, you should do that. Like if you're part of AA, you may be familiar with the serenity prayer. That's an important prayer, to commit to memory. Or, or the Lord's Prayer is another good one, to commit to memory. That's not wrong, but when you pray any prayer out of memory mindlessly, you're actually doing a, an act of service that is absolutely worthless to you and to God. In fact, Jesus even says this. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. For they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. God isn't looking for a perfect prayer or a mindless prayer. He's looking for an honest prayer from your heart. And here's the last one, if you're following along. Honest prayer is the only cure to a faith that's fading. Honest prayer is the only cure for a faith that is fading. I was gonna get real with you for a second. Last week we made a very, very important decision at North Church, but it was a difficult one. We made the decision to close the Deer Creek location and bring everyone back to OKC and Guthrie. And while that was, uh, we made that decision with a lot of input from our leaders and from uh, our volunteers. As we prayed about it and prayed about it, we felt like this was the decision God was wanting us to make. It was the right decision. 
But at the same time, it was a hard decision. If I can just be honest with you. And so I remember about a week before we were going to make the decision known, I was sitting right back there during a chapel experience on a Tuesday morning, and I was praying to God. And it wasn't one of my particular, like, faith-filled moments. In fact, my prayer was more like that guy's prayer. It was, Lord, I believe, I believe this is the right decision. I believe this is the decision you want us to make, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And so while I'm sitting there praying my honest prayer to Jesus, he starts moving in me. And he brings to my memory a time in my life, 25 years before when I'm seven years old. When I was seven years old, my dad decided to start a restaurant. And for those of you guys who don't know, uh, my family and I, when I was about four years old, moved to America. We actually immigrated from another country. So I'm actually from another country, surprise. And so in, in three years to go from having nothing when you get here as an immigrant to being able to, you know, accumulate enough to start a restaurant, all that kind of, that's, that's pretty amazing. My dad had worked hard. He had got a job as he's a chef and so he got a job at one of the finest restaurants in Dallas and he started a catering business and he was doing so well and so well enough to where we we're actually able to put a contract on a house and we're moving in that direction and somebody plants this idea to start a restaurant in his head. And so without the approval of my mom, my dad cancels the contract on the house, takes all of that money, all of our savings, and puts it into a restaurant. And a year later, we're sitting at home, basically broke. The restaurant is dying. My dad's alcoholism, I'm not saying it's wrong to drink alcohol or anything like that, but for him, and it just became a problem. And he just goes headlong into his alcoholism. He just basically drinks himself stupor. And uh, my parents are fighting every night. I remember as a kid laying in bed, covering the pillow, the pillow over my face so that I wouldn't have to hear the fighting and screaming and hitting in the room next door. And I don't know, as a seven-year-old, I should have known all that. Or as I should have felt all that. But I did. And 25 years later, I'm sitting right there as a grown man, feeling everything I felt as a seven-year-old. And God let me feel it. And then he spoke. He said, Samson. And during that dark season, I moved. Your dad hits rock bottom. He's looking for help. At the same time, somebody invites you to church. You come to know Jesus. And through that, your dad comes to know Jesus. And I changed the whole trajectory of your family's life. I use that situation not to destroy your family, but to preserve your family and launch them into greater things, launch them into faith. Today, I get to serve God as a pastor. My dad is a pastor who serves the Lord. My sister is married to a pastor. Like, our whole family is about Jesus now. 25 years ago, that was not the case. 
And God said, Samson, if, if I was able to do that 25 years ago, don't you think that I can do it today? That this is not meant to destroy you or fail you or break you. That this is meant to preserve this family and to launch us into greater levels of faith. God met me at my broken, honest prayer. When I said, Lord, help my unbelief. And he settled it in my heart. So what's your prayer? What's your broken, honest prayer? And can I tell you before you even pray it, that he's waiting to meet you on the other side of that prayer. If that's you, and you're saying, hey, I have this thing that I'm going through. Maybe it's a relationship that you're trying to figure out. Maybe it's a breakup that you're going through. Maybe it's financial issues that you're trying to make it through. Whatever it is, and you're saying, Lord, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. That's just you. Would you just raise a hand right now? I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads right now. I just want you to have some faith and raise a hand, okay? And I want to pray over you. Father, I pray for every single person with a hand raised. Lord, whether it's here in this room or in Guthrie, Lord Jesus, or online, if they're listening to a podcast months from now, Lord, wherever it is, I pray that you would honor their faith. Lord Jesus, that you would see their prayer, that they say, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Help me. Help the deficiency in me. And I pray, Father, that you would meet them exactly where they're at. I thank you that you're good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the North Church Podcast. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered by the Word of God. For more information about North Church, check out our website at north.church. There you can view more messages and join us for experiences live online. You can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week and remember to love God, love people, and follow Jesus.